Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. Welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg. And I've got Wendy McConnell here with us again. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we are going to talk about one of the most heated debates in the financial advisor, financial services realm today. So you and I, you know, we're going to keep it civil here, of course. But oh, I wanted um, to like, you know, <laughs> which side do I take? I'm yeah. Ready. Well, at the end of this, we, we'll see which which side you, you want to fall on here. But, you know, this is one of the most heated debates that you and and with more and more technology and more and more conversations in in this world and you know, in this arena it's definitely coming up so that debate i guess i should before i bury the lead too much say we're going to talk about active management versus passive management okay. and this is a tale as old as time people have been fighting about this for probably 30 years or more right so as long as i've been in the industry at least people have been fighting about this topic so when I say active management versus passive management, does that mean anything to you? Are those terms you've heard? Absolutely. I mean, I've heard them, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. And you and you're not alone, right? So people read these articles or they see it in the news or whatever. And the I would say the average consumer or average client of mine doesn't have any concept really of what that means. It's really just investment management companies fighting with each other over who's better, right? So I'll start with just a quick high-level definition of what that means. We'll start with passive management. So passive management may be more commonly heard of as indexing or buying index funds, right? That's a term I think most people now are familiar with is these index funds is a, a strategy for investing, basically saying, hey, the market is really smart. There's no secrets out there. There's no nothing you can uncover to add value that somebody else doesn't already know. So rather than trying to find that, let's just buy a little slice of every stock out there and go along for the ride, right? So you take the S&P 500, for example, again, one of the most common, rather than saying, I'm going to find which stocks in the S&P 500 I think are going to do the best, we're just going to buy all 500 stocks because I don't think I'm smart enough to figure out what that is. So the 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 point of that, there's this what's known as the efficient market hypothesis that is that, hey, the market's really smart. There's billions of trillions of dollars here. A lot of smart people. You're not smarter than anybody else. You're not going to uncover something somebody doesn't know. So let's just buy all the stocks. We know the stock market goes up over time, right? You obviously go through waves, but over time, and we're going to just go along with that. And that removes sort of the human bias and human error in maybe picking the wrong stock, right? The flip side of that is active management. People who are buying, actively buying and selling, looking for opportunities or finding stocks maybe that aren't being covered as much or whatever it may be, trying to add value by not just owning all the stocks. So again, not just buying all 500 stocks in the S&P 500, but saying, okay, of these 500, these 50, I think are going to be the best ones. So we're just going to only own these 50, for example. 
And a lot of active management also has, they're, they're still trying, obviously we need the money to grow, right? They're trying to beat the index or at least match what the index is doing, but they have a few other objectives. All right. So along with buying, trying to beat the index or match the index's performance, they have maybe some other goals being maybe tax, more tax efficient, managing risk. That's a big thing in active management. And a lot of people hold themselves out to say, hey, we can match or beat the index while taking a little bit re less risk. And then there are reasons that people want active management. Um, they, maybe they want to be really focused on companies who are environmentally conscious, socially conscious. Within a lot of the fund managers that we work with, they have different buckets sort of set up for different values. So there's commonly seen like a, a Catholic values tranche where, hey, these these companies are going to fit within what fits within the, you know, sort of the Catholic theology, or you may have heard of sin stocks, right? Alcohol, tobacco, guns. There are people who don't want to invest in those things. And so active managers do a okay. better job of making sure avoiding out. Yeah. If you don't want to own gun stocks or alcohol stocks, you need an active manager to put those restrictions in place. So at a high level, that's sort of the difference between active and man and passive management. Now, some examples of passive managers be names, and these are, you know, again, household names, Vanguard, BlackRock, those are two of the largest sort of investment managers in the world. They hold out their index funds for you to buy and low cost. It's sort of like our 401k. Yeah. So in your 401k, you're going to have, again, these two options. You're going to have some passive options in there. You're going to have some active options. So active mutual funds, things like that, people that you're going to see in your 401k, maybe it's American funds, JP Morgan. And a lot of these companies actually have mutual funds, which are considered more active and index funds, which are considered more passive. So a lot of the investment management companies now are offering both options as well. You know, so I mentioned on the active side, maybe offering some unique benefits like additional tax last harvesting or things like that. There are a handful of managers that we work with on the active side who, you know, they're adding value like that. They're doing doing things behind the scenes to try to add value to portfolios that you don't get when you just buy, say, all 500 stocks. Or in, you know, in the case of bonds, you can look at a bond index or owning individual bonds. And again, pros and cons to both of those management styles. So that's what they are you know, at a high level. So then the real question is, how do you know which one to choose? Which one is better ultimately, right? And right. Now, let me see if I understand. So is the actus sort of like the scene from the movie where the traders are on the floor screaming and yelling until the bell goes off? Yes. Yep. Okay. So some, some manager saying, hey, I need you to buy, I need you to sell your Amazon and buy Apple, right? Whatever it is. And so they're actively making those calls and trying to, if they think again, so contrasting the index fund, you own the index fund. If the, if the index goes down, you just go down with it. Where an active manager, if something's going down, they're going to try to sell that and buy something else. Right? But if you are, if you have these types of stocks in your index, it's going to affect that as well. Correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not it's it's still very confusing. Um I thought it was one or the other, but you're saying you can have a mix of both and say your 401k? 
Yeah. Yep. You can have a mix of both. And as with most things, you know, and you and I were talking before we hopped on here, just sort of my philosophy on life that everything's going to work out and everything's good. Right. As with a lot of things in the world and, you know, the classic attorney answer is, well, it depends, right? It de- which one is better? Well, it depends. Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It depends on the time frame. And to a certain extent, as with you know, a lot of investing, we talk a lot about diversification and all these things to try to help your overall portfolio. There are going to be times when active management does better and times where passive management does better. And we've found a pretty good balance, depending on client situation, of if you've including both in your portfolio, again, you're sort of getting the best of both worlds. Um, I do think for a lot of people, that can be a really good approach. You know, so... If we talk about pros and cons, like I said, it sort of depends. There are certainly pros and cons on both sides. The biggest con you hear about with active management is going to be the fees and expenses. Active managers, right? You're paying this mutual fund to go out and to hire people and do research and buy and sell and all these different things. There's a cost associated with that. And they pass that cost on to you as the end investor, right? So if you're thinking about mutual funds, they have what's called an internal expense charge, which is typically going to be higher than the cost for an index fund. So that's the pros of the index fund or that passive management is really low cost. So it's kind of like every time a stock is bought or sold, you have to pay a fee? Not necessarily every time it's bought or sold, you're paying a fee. It's as this industry moves, it used to be, you know, the you think of like the Wolf of Wall Street or the old stock trader days, right? Where mm-hmm. You're calling up your stockbroker, and every time you buy and sell, that stockbroker is charging you a fee. Right. The shift to more fee-based management, whether it's me as the advisor or these underlying man, what, however many transactions they're making, doesn't necessarily mean more fees, but they're charging you a flat. Hey, it's going to be a one percent fee, for example, for the year, regardless of how many transactions we're making. I see. Okay. But contrasting that with the index funds, right? Index funds, the fees, this is the pro. Fees are really, really low because all you're really, all, all you paying Vanguard to do is to buy the 500 stocks and sit on them. They're not, they're not looking at it every day trying to make changes or see which stock in there is better or worse. They're just saying, here's your 500 stocks. You're going to own them. We've provided the wrapper, so you're going to pay us a small fee to provide you that wrapper, but we're not going to be doing anything else. And so... We're going to keep the fees really low. And that's kind of when they say, you know, when the market's going up and down, it's being very volatile. Just, 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 just sit on it. Just be impatient. It'll come back. Like that's the passive part of it. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Just let's go for the ride. We know again, over time, the market has gone up now past performance. I'm sure compliance would want me to say past performance is not indicative of future results, right? Who knows? The market may not continue to go up, but over time it has gone up. And if you can have the lowest cost and you, you're okay to stomach the ride, you're going to end up over time, that portfolio is going to grow. Whereas on the active side, where it can be a really good fit for people is if they can't stomach the ride, right? For some people that ride they just can't take it. They can't handle a 2022 where they're down 20% or so. Right. They just can't live in a world where that happens. So they may prefer an active manager who's doing things to help protect the downside. What you know, there's strategies that they're 
that you can put in place to limit the downside. Now there are trade-offs for that, right? Typically you're giving up something on the upside to protect the downside, but as, as we're working with clients, right? Each client's a little bit different. And my job is to make sure that they stay invested one way or the other. So if, if they can stomach this passive roller coaster, we can help them with that. Or if they need something just to keep them in the markets, something a little more protected, more active, then we can help them with that as well. So and I mean, that, maybe I'm not thinking about it all correctly because I'm thinking that the more active stuff would be more risky, but that's not what you're saying. Some of them are. And so, so it there's just, it's a really broad world in that active space. So you do have some active managers who are taking more, they're being more aggressive either because they're being more concentrated. You know, that back to the example I used earlier, you can either own 500 stocks you can own 50 stocks. If you own 50 stocks, one the stock, the performance of one of those stocks has more impact on your portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more risk inherent by being a little more concentrated that way, as opposed to owning the 500. So there are, but then there are other types of strategies where maybe they're using options or other types of protective mechanisms to protect, to provide us, you know, a safer quote unquote, you know, not necessarily safer, but providing better downside protection in general. So there's a company Hartford funds. They did a study and I'll include this link in the show notes so people can go check out this study, but they, they looked back in time and this whole article is about comparing active and passive. So write it with what, with what we're talking about here. In the last 33 years, there have been 27 market corrections. So a correction is from peak to trough, a 10% decline in the market. So the last 33 over the last 33 years, there's been 27 of those market corrections. The active managers have outperformed passive 20 out of the 27 times. So back to the riskier or safer. Again, there are active managers who are riskier, certainly. But historically speaking, these active managers have outperformed in these periods of volatility because they can sell things, they can get rid of things, they don't just have to watch things drop, right? So, mm -hmm. and Hartford, this study that they did, they looked at the S and P five hundred, or and using more so Morningstar ratings. They used Morningstar. Morningstar is one of the largest investment rating firms out there. They look at all the funds and sort of grade all the funds out there. So they looked at if you just own the S&P 500 index, or if you owned mutual funds that track the S&P 500, right? So they're trying to compare that index fund versus active management. And it's actually pretty interesting and it's really cyclical. Again, I, you know, I say it depends. There are pros and cons to both sides going back. They went all the way back. So this was back to 1988 through the end of 2022. And there's really interesting sort of back and forth. It's about every five years or so it alternates where, you know, from 1999, so through sort of the tech bubble and 9-11, that sort of challenging market time period, active management really outperformed just owning an index fund during that time. Now you and even again through the financial crisis, so you know, 07, 08, 09, the active managers outperformed the market there as well. So you tend to see a little bit of a 
correlation to these down markets and active managers tend to perform a little bit better than the the index funds in that instance. And that's over the whole 30 some years of the study. Right. Yep. So, it, you know, okay. so we had now 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, all the way up through 20 from 2014 to 2021 index funds outperformed active managers every year during that time. So, and that's, again, you tend to see that when the market really takes off or the, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, that kind of a philosophy okay. in a market like that index funds are going to outperform. But then we saw again in 2022 with the S and P versus these active funds, active funds actually performed better in 2022. Now that doesn't mean that they made money, right? So when I say outperform, that doesn't mean the index is negative and the active managers were positive. It just means that they did, didn't dig as deep of a hole. Okay. And so that it's really, sense. you know, and again, really cyclical, you know, we started, I talked earlier about sort of having a portfolio of both, right. And hedging your bets, so to speak, that's, you know, that's really what I think this chart or what all these years show that if you have one or the other, you're going to have periods of underperformance and periods of overperformance. You could combine them both together. And then you're again, just sort of right in the middle the whole way. Right. So I think that's a, it's something that I definitely think for, if you think about your 401k or other things, that's, I think a good approach mm -hmm. and it does kind of matter if here we're talking about the S and P 500, the S and P 500 or large cap stocks like this historically, I would say are the harder, the hardest index to beat are these stocks that everybody knows, everybody follows. There's no secrets here, right? Mm -hmm. There are areas that active managers have been able to show value and that tends to be on the smaller side. So smaller companies where there's 3000, an index like let's say the Russell 3000 would be an index that people may have heard of in that, that covers a lot of these smaller stocks. That's where there may be some value because not everybody, everybody knows Apple, everybody knows Amazon, but there are a lot of these smaller stocks or newer stocks that people aren't following as much. So Active management has shown to to show value there, as well as even looking internationally. Again, just something that's not as widely covered. There can be advantages to having active managers in those space. And there's a lot of actual, you know, when we're looking at our investment options that we have for our clients, a lot of portfolios where they'll buy the S and P 500 index because they know that's the hard one to beat, but they'll actively manage in some of these other areas where they think there's value, right? So that type of an approach, I think makes a lot of sense just looking at the trends and and the way things are going. So if you decide to do a mix of both, does that mean you're paying the fees for both or? Yeah. So you'd be paying the fees for both, but you'd be getting the average, right? So the index funds would still be low. The active mutual funds would be a little high. Your average sort of fits right in the middle of those two things. So you're saying that the paying the extra fees would be kind of like not a wash, but worth it to have the ability to actively manage some of it. Right. Yeah. So there are trade-offs and you know, when you say worth it to some clients or some people, it may be worth it to others not. Right. And that's when working with clients or thinking about your own situation, what is it that you value? You know, is 
is fee the biggest, you know, do you just want the absolute lowest fee under any circumstances? Well, then passive management is going to be the best for you. If you're willing to pay a little bit extra fee because you value things like making sure your portfolio meets with fits within certain guidelines or there's extra tax lost harvesting benefits they can offer or these other things, if you know, then you may value, even though the fee's a little bit higher, you're getting some value for that extra fee that you're paying to make it worth it. Hmm. And and this becomes that's why there's this debate that's been going on forever is because to some people they you know fees are the most important to others taxes are the most important to others the risk management is the most important and there's no right answer because everybody value everybody has that sort of their list of what they value in a different order if that makes sense well based on your philosophy of everything works out and i'm (laughs) going to take a guess as to what kind of um investing you will do as a consumer, not as a job. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to guess that you are going with the passive investing as a consumer. And you are right for a part of my portfolio, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I actually am one of these people personally who has hedged my bet. Okay. I do own some index funds. I also own some mutual funds or some more actively management, actively managed funds that are doing certain things where I think it's worth paying the extra fee, right? So I I am one of those people that hedges my bets. Now, you know, I, I would say probably I do personally lean a little more passive than active. And there are clients we work with who are on the total opposite side of that. They prefer, hey, I want someone who's really going to be managing risk and watching over this. And so it's, again, this, that's why this debate may never end. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what side I'm on. <laughs> yeah. And so the last decade, as I just sort of ran off since 2014, you know, it's been index funds, index funds, passive management has become the biggest thing you've seen companies like Vanguard and BlackRock really grow their assets, become some of the biggest players in the world. And so I started in the industry in 2012. I sort of missed the financial crisis. I got lucky timing wise, (laughs) right? I didn't have to live, live through that. But I, so I talked to my dad about this and what do we, you know, as we're, our investment committee is looking at the options for our clients and what we think is going to be in our client's best interest. You know, he, he always, he often jokes, Hey, in 2008 and nine, nobody wanted and you know nobody was calling me to buy an index fund as the world was unraveling nobody wanted that passive style because you know you were just going to ride it down right right and so that you know it it becomes this just there's always this sort of what i would call maybe performance chasing right the whether it's the media or people just saying hey here's what's doing the best i'm going to rush into that but knowing that it's cyclical again that's not not always the best approach. You're sort of getting in on the tail end just in time for the the cycle to change. Mm-hmm. So that managing that behavior and making sure that clients are looking at all their options and getting educated on these things, it really makes a big difference. So it's really about the comfort level of the client. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, my job is not necessarily to help clients beat the index from a performance standpoint. That's not the most important thing to me. They have all these other financial goals that they're trying to accomplish. 
So my, the most important thing to me is that they can accomplish those goals. So whether that they get there through active or passive management, I don't really care, but there may be instances where for whatever their certain objective is, one of these approaches is going to fit better than the other. So that's up to when we're working with clients, helping them look at the options and figure out which one they feel the best about. All right. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, but it sounds like I didn't convince you one way or the other here. Well, I think that you convinced me that the mix of both is probably the the best option. Yeah. You know, I, I we're seeing that more and more. And as again, as these as the investment companies are finding maybe their niche where where they can where they can stand out and where they don't. And as client preferences change to I'm only going to pay fees, pay these higher fees if I really can find a tangible benefit to do that. You know, we're finding that a lot of clients are ending up with sort of a mix of both. Okay. Just like that. Got it. Well, I will keep it all in mind. Yeah. There Sounds you go. Like so a it... control freak would have a little <laughs> bit of a preference too, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, the next time you go to look at the options inside your 401k, Hopefully it makes a little bit more sense to you what you're choosing from, right? You'll see that word index fund, you'll see the mutual funds, and now you'll know a little bit more about what it is that you're looking at. So if you have any other, yeah, of course, (laughs) (laughs) If, if, if you have any other questions on active versus passive, feel free to shoot us a text 801-839-7056. And remember to tell your friends and family to subscribe to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.